Welcome to the fifth and final round of the Draft Sharks Invitational. It is Friday, August 7th for anyone listening after the fact. I'm your podcast host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. Not with us tonight, though, for the first time this week, is Adam Krautwurst. Apparently, he is not only licensed to win in fantasy football, but also licensed to marry people in real life. What a renaissance, man. You know, four nights of fantasy football, and he, then he marries someone on the fifth. He can do it all. <laughs> all right. Uh, so this is the final draft of the 60-player DS Invitational. Each league carries a $250 first-place prize, plus the overall winner of the tournament takes down another $2,000, all from the pockets of our boss, Lenny Papano. That brings an element uh, – I'm sorry. The format is best ball. It's 25 rounds. Lineup is one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, two flex spots. It is super flex, so one of those flexes can be a quarterback. Scoring is PPR. But with tight end premium scoring, that means one and a half points per reception for tight ends. We have been running these drafts all week on MyFantasyLeague.com. We will be tracking about the first hour or so, about the first half of this draft on the stream tonight. Let's take a look at who's going to be filling out this fifth league in the tournament. Drafting first is going to be Ryan McDowell, a co-owner at Dynasty League Football. He is a co-host of the Dynasty Blueprint podcast with another friend of Draft Sharks, Matt Williamson. And you can also find Ryan on the DLF podcast, as well as continuously showing Dynasty ADPs on Twitter. You can find him there at RyanMC23. Drafting second is JJ Zacharyzen, editor-in-chief at FanDuel and number fire. He, of course, is at Late Round QB on Twitter because JJ literally wrote the book on waiting for a QB. That, of course, is a notion that Draft Sharks has embraced since well before I was swimming in these waters. Number three in the order, Sigmund Bloom, a co-owner and deep thinker at footballguys.com. Sig has been doing the podcast thing since before most of us even knew what the format was. Really, he's just one of the most interesting and enjoyable people I have ever encountered in this industry. Drafting fourth is Jack Miller, a young guy who has only been on Twitter since November 2018, just a baby, and been writing for RotoViz since last summer. You can find him on Twitter at JackMiller02. Number five in the draft tonight is John Paulson. He's the director of forecasting at 4 for 4 football and two-time winner of the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Contest. You can find John on the Most Accurate Podcast, and you can find him on Twitter at 4 for 4 underscore John. Number six, Nick Bakai, an actor, a comedian, a writer, a producer, somebody that we've probably all heard of at some point. He voiced the cat on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Once Upon a Time, which is something that no one else in this tournament has on their resume, for sure. He was also a writer for In Living Color, in case you share my age bracket. That was a fun thing to relive. Uh, Nick has contributed football content as well to ESPN and NFL Network. You can find him on Twitter, at Nick Bakai, for real. Number seven is Mike Randall of the Action Network. He provides both fantasy football and NCAA basketball content on there. Mike also contributes to Roto Underworld, Roto Viz as a podcast host, and last word on NFL. You can find Mike on Twitter at Randall Rant. Number eight in the draft order is Ron Meyer. And to quote our friend Chris Lambert of the FFPC, Ron wins something each year and he's hysterical as hell. So I feel like that's something people need to know as we move forward in this draft tonight. Uh, according to Chris, Ron has has wins in main event leagues, has wins in auction, dynasty, and classics leagues at FFPC. So a successful player on there. You can find him on Twitter at Two Packer. Number nine in tonight's draft is Darren Armani. He is the creator of FantasyMojo.com and the founder of the Pros versus Joe's contest. 
that a lot of us have drafted in over the past few years, you know, where we pretend to be pros against the Joes who put up a lot of money on the line for this stuff. You can find Darren on Twitter. He is at Fantasy Mojo, and you will find lots of interesting tidbits on FFPC ADP trends on his Twitter page. Number 10, Nelson Sousa is a longtime high-stakes player. He finished second overall way back in the 2009 World Championship of Fantasy Football, the old WCOFF that was co-founded by our boss, Lenny Papano. Nelson has also split four different contest championships at the NFFC and was the 2016 main event co-champion in the FFPC. You can now find him on Twitter at the, the underscore franchise 12 and contributing football content for Numberball. Number 11 is our boy Kevin English. You know him from DraftSharks.com. You can read his articles on the site right there. He's got two young children, so he's probably he's not going to be cheering too loudly, Jared, when he gets any of his guys tonight. Yeah, I tried to get uh, Kevin on. He said something about, you know, he didn't want to be talking to us during his draft. I said, I said that's fair. I, I thought it should be an even playing field. You know, we should all be having a talk while drafting, but he, he wasn't having it. Yeah, I think it's unfair, but I, I'm i not sure how good he'd be on here. Like, oh, I don't want to wake the girls, but this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Number right. 12 in tonight's draft, rounding it out, is Andrew Geller. He has been playing the FFPC since 2014. He's won a pair of main event league titles and multiple league titles in the Football Guys Championship as well. Andrew also finished fifth overall in last year's NFFC Online Championship. You can find him on Twitter at the underscore guilds, that's G-I-L-D-Z, and with the Danny Dimes profile pick on his Twitter page. Yeah, another loaded group here, obviously. How big of an advantage do you think, you know, the, these guys have with it being the fifth draft and like, you know, getting to see how four other drafts played out? I mean, there's no doubt there's an advantage knowing something about where players ahead have picked, especially because some of these drafters are familiar with drafting against other high stakes drafters. And really some of us do you know, the expert leagues with other analysts. So we know how other guys are thinking at times. That said, there might be times where it can work a little bit against you where you're like, I can wait until round nine for this guy. And then somebody else really likes him and takes him in round seven. So overall, I think it's an advantage. You know, every once in a while, we might see it work the other way. Right. I mean, there's definitely been similarities between all, you know, four previous drafts, but I think, you know, we've talked about how the quarterbacks have sort of come off in different areas. Even the tight ends have come off in different areas. So I, I think, you know, basing this draft too much on the first four could actually get you in trouble. I think where it might help you the most is if you look at all the teams and just kind of check the builds that different yep. um, drafters tried to use and see how you think that their roster turned out. And then, you know, maybe try to mimic that type of approach if you like what turned out in those teams. Yeah, definitely. Yep. We are underway in this fifth and final draft of the Draft Sharks Invitational. We have got a round down, so let's start looking at some of the picks, Jared. We've got Christian McCaffrey, number one, of course, again. Saquon Barkley went number two. Ezekiel Elliott went number three. Alvin Kamara went four. So I believe we've only had one draft so far that did not go four running backs to begin. Yeah, that's right. Uh, kind of a, a usual start there with the four RBs. Um, I think the two surprises of the first round miles sanders going running back five ahead of dalvin cook i have derrick henry who tends to go ahead of him i think i had a joe mixon who tends to go ahead of miles sanders so mike randall obviously high on miles sanders and then lamar jackson dropping to nine um that, that's the latest we've seen either of the top two quarterbacks go in these drafts yeah so another little wrinkle for us to to go on here and miles sanders pushed up the board a little bit after slipping a little bit the past couple of nights uh, just into the beginning of round two and actually into the middle of round two in my draft. Um, so Patrick Mahomes went fifth to John Paulson. Michael Thomas 
went sixth to Nick Bakai, as you said. Then Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook before Lamar Jackson went to Darren Armani as the second quarterback off the board. Darren's probably happy to get Lamar Jackson there. I would imagine uh, based on ADPs, you would not expect Lamar Jackson to make it to that point. No, you wouldn't. And again, you're just looking at, he, he, he gained value in the first round when you compare, you know, his Lamar Jackson to the other teams that had to take Jackson within the top five or six. Mm -hmm. Derek Henry, then at number 10 to Nelson Sousa's team, Uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, the last two picks of the round, just like they were in last night's draft. Our Mm -hmm. boy Kevin English took Travis Kelsey there. No surprise at all for him to take Kelsey if Kelsey makes it to that spot. And then, as I've said before, Andrew Geller takes George Kittle in the spot where he belongs as opposed to in the middle of round two, which has been more like his ADP in these FFPC formats. Yeah, and I, mean, I think the nice thing, too, about taking those tight ends, you know, in the back half of round one is you look at the running backs available. Like, I, I don't know. I don't see a huge difference between – these guys like the Derrick Henrys, the Kenny and Drake, the Joe Mixon, the Clyde Edwards, the like there's court, there's kind of all in the same tier. So yeah, yeah. Make sure you lock up the elite tight end and you can still be sure to get one of those, you know, second, third tier running backs on the way back. Yeah, I agree. Then around the turn, Andrew took uh, Clyde Edwards, Elair as the eighth running back off the board with the first pick around two. So he started out with Kittle and CEH. Kevin then took Joe Mixon to pair with Travis Kelsey Kenyon Drake to Nelson Sousa, who started with Derrick Henry. So two running backs there for his start. Darren Armani took Austin Eckler. I mean, no surprises, I don't think, through those four. Then we had Devontae Adams go to Ron Meyer. And then Josh Jacobs at RB12 to Mike Randall. So that's two running backs for Mike Randall. And Josh Jacobs, I think that's about where he belongs. Last night, Lenny Papano got him in round three. Yeah, uh, no big surprises here to start the second round. I mean, it does look like a running back heavier draft. Um, you know, only two quarterbacks off the board. We, we you know, we've seen some draft where we've had three or four off the board already at this point. Um, besides that, though, yeah, not not too many surprises so far. Yeah, I believe that the pick, uh, I think it was pick eight of round two, was where I took um, Dak Prescott as the third quarterback in draft number three. Otherwise, the, we've seen Dak usually go somewhere in round three. He went at the one-two turn. In the first draft, he just went now at pick 10 in round two to Sigmund Bloom. Now, I'm not at all surprised to see Sigmund take a quarterback yeah. among his first two picks. I would have guessed that based on just, you know, what I know about his style here. And stacking Cowboys has been a popular tactic throughout all these drafts. You know, Sigmund is at least the third team I can think of that is, you know, kind of kind of started with a couple Cowboys, whether it be Zeke and Dak or uh, Dak and Amari Cooper. And I would have loved to have Zeke as my first round pick right ahead of the Dak pick as a stack. Because I think there's going to be a lot of touchdowns between those guys. Um, In between, we had Aaron Jones follow Josh Jacobs off the board. Then Nick Chubb, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill with the second to last pick of round two. And Tyreek Hill interestingly made it past John Paulson as the Patrick Mahomes owner. He would have, had he taken Tyreek Hill, obviously it's an attractive stack. But I wonder if it factored into his decision at all that he would have been at least the third owner to start with a Mahomes Tyreek Hill stack. So there's maybe not quite the advantage there that you would normally think with a Mahomes Tyreek Hill stack. Yeah, that might have been part of his thinking. Um, I also think he might have just wanted to lock up a running back because Nick Chubb is sort of like the the last guy in that tier. I think there's a bit of a drop-off after those first 14 backs. And Nick Chubb, interestingly, again, we mentioned him last night, but uh, once again, he goes later than what his best ball tens ADP has been around running back eight in our drafts. He's been going running back 13, running back 14, that range. Yeah, it's the third straight draft that he went at running back 14. Mm -hmm. 
So Dak Prescott, as we mentioned, then Tyree Kill, then Deshaun Watson. You know, quarterbacks kind of going where they have been going for us. Deshaun Watson, I don't know if it's been in every single one of our drafts, but I believe in at least four of our drafts now, Deshaun Watson has gone off the board before Kyler Murray, which that's where I think he belongs. That doesn't seem to be what ADP has been saying all offseason. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking through it right now. Um, Actually, I think in every draft he's gone ahead of Kyler. Yeah, I I think he's been quarterback three or four in every draft so far. That's interesting. I like seeing that, especially considering the strength of the drafting group that we have. Of course, right as I say that, Ryan McDowell bubbles up and takes Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray. You know, I guess that technically means he likes Watson better than Kyler Murray, but clearly it's not a big gap for him. Yeah, not a big gap. I'm just looking through the first two rounds here. Um, two teams started RBRB, and we have we have zero, zero RB drafters tonight. Everyone has at least one running back through two rounds. I, I'm glad to see that because we've had it already. Uh, it's always fun to see what new thing. Last night, of course, we had Dr. Brian Harwood go 11, round, 11 rounds into the draft before he took his first quarterback yep. in Phillip Rivers and came out of the draft with only two on his roster, I saw um, afterward. So w- before that, it was Mike Beers going as late as he possibly could. I think, what, what was it, round 12 where he took his first running back? Yeah, I think that's right. And then afterward, he called it his zeroest of zero RB rosters. So it's fun to see. You know, we've said it before, but with the super flex with best ball, it really opens it up to lots of different ways to approach this. And it's fun to see um, how these experienced drafters do it differently. After Kyler Murray, we had Mark Andrews go with the second pick of round three to JJ's team. So he's got Saquon Barkley, Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews. Andrews has, in four of our five drafts, been the third tight end off the board. And that's where he's moved in ADP. He's ahead of Zach Ertz there now. Zach Ertz followed him in this draft, though. There's been a little bit of space between the two of them in several of our drafts. But but back-to-back here, clearly these guys are valuing the top tight ends. And I'll be curious to see if we get the multiple round gap between Ertz and the tight end five that we've gotten in most of our drafts. Yeah, we'll see about that again. I think there should be a gap between Ertz and the rest. Um, and man, in, in 1.5 PPR, I, Ertz is still pretty clearly ahead of Mark Andrews to me. I just think that the volume for Ertz is a differentiator. I mean, it's obviously closer if you're talking um, just one point per reception. I, I think in non-PPR, I even side with Mark Andrews, but with the one and a half PPR here, I mean, I, I think the draft strikes projections have Ertz for like 15 more catches than Mark Andrews. That, that's it's a pretty big deal when you're getting a point and a half per Yeah, I have to side with Ertz as well when it's a a point and a half. I mean, volume is clearly still in his favor. And we've mentioned on our other podcasts that Dallas Goddard, you know, seemed to kind of intrude on his numbers last year. But most of Dallas Goddard's big target games came late in the season when the wide receivers went down, then when Zach Ertz went down late. So it didn't really take away from Zach Ertz. And even though they drafted Jalen Rager, it's not like they really built out this pass catching unit that suddenly has a whole bunch more challenges to Zach Ertz's volume. So there should be plenty of targets there available for him. It's easy to get excited about Mark Andrews as the emergent guy last year, and then, you know, get a little bit less excited about Ertz because of the Dallas Goddard emergence. But I, I agree with you. I don't think that's the way to treat it. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily anti Mark Andrews. I I just think Ertz seems like the past few years now he's just undervalued. I think he's just been doing it for so long. He's just sort of become like a boring pick, but he's just such a cornerstone of that offense. He has such a good rapport with Carson Wentz. And especially in this off season, when we haven't had much practice time, I think Ertz is still a strong bet to lead that team in targets. Yeah. He's a total binky for Carson Wentz. Yep. 
Russell Wilson, the fourth pick of round three, goes to Jack Miller's squad. So he has started out with Alvin Kamara, Julio Jones, Russell Wilson as the sixth quarterback. I've mentioned before, I'm taking Russell Wilson over Kyler Murray, but I get it. Um, Kyler Murray's not unlimited yet. Uh, Todd Gurley is the fifth pick of round three, the 15th running back off the board, appropriate. And it was John Paulson who took the, the previous running back. He took Nick Chubb as the 14th running back with the eighth pick of round two. And then we had eight straight picks that were not running backs before Todd Gurley left the board. Yeah. Always interesting, interesting to see who that RB 15 is. Cause again, I, I do think there's a, a bit of a drop off after like those top 14, it was Nick Chubb here. So uh, Paulson prefers Gurley among that next year, uh, Jonathan Taylor and another uh, draft where he goes a bit earlier than ADP. We talked about it last night. I think, you know, it, there's risk there obviously, but I think the upside, I mean, he can easily pay off that price tag. And then Kenny Galladay once again goes super early ahead of Chris Godwin this time. Might be the earliest um, yet. Sorry? It might be the earliest yet in our draft. Yeah, yeah. I think he's been going like wide receiver seven or eight in most of them. This is the first time he's gone ahead of Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and before we get too far away from Jonathan Taylor, I agree. I, I'm not ready to rank him as RB16 yet, but I certainly think he can pay off there. And I also think that it's easier to – make that, you know, sight reach when he's your running back three and you already have Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs there. Uh, basically, all you need is the upside on Jonathan Taylor. Kenny Galladay, you know, we've talked about a lot. Anybody listening it probably knows how we feel about it. Chris Godwin, I think, is a good value as the seventh wide receiver off the board. Um, goes to Darren Armani's team. He has Lamar Jackson, Austin Eckler. Chris Godwin has his three-player start. And Nelson Sousa and Mike Randall are the two three running back starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nelson took... James Conner after taking Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry. We've had fewer drafters with three early running backs than I would have guessed we would have, in even in this format that favors both quarterbacks and tight ends. Yeah, I agree there. Um, man, I love those three running backs Sousa put together, Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, James Conner. I, I can almost guarantee you that Kevin was hoping James Conner got to him at the 311 there and he got picked off by, by one spot. Has he been big on James Conner? Because I haven't heard him talk up James Conner that much. I mean, I, I know we're big on him. I, I think he's on board. I think Ooh. he is. It's tough to tell sometimes. He plays it close to the vest. Yeah. Melvin Gordon was Kevin English's pick as the 18th running back off the board, the penultimate pick of round three. So that gives him Joe Mixon, Melvin Gordon, and Travis Kelsey to start the draft. A solid trio. Melvin Gordon, I've had a little bit of trouble getting – I guess I don't know if excited is the word because you don't really get excited about anybody in that running back range, but he's, he's somebody that I've liked a little bit less as we move closer to the season. And it's not even that I can explain it or say you shouldn't draft Melvin Gordon. He just he makes me a little uneasy. Maybe it's Denver in general. That's fine. I think, I think gut gut feels are okay to sort of go with sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Denver. Um, it was an offense I was more excited about before, you know, all this COVID stuff. And they, there's just so many new pieces there. There's a new offensive coordinator and they just, you know, they're not going to have had much time to gel. So at minimum, I wouldn't be surprised if they got off to a slow start this year. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, Melvin Gordon at running back 18. If he's their yeah. starting running back and they, they want him to be a three down guy, there's nothing wrong with taking him there. Even if it makes me queasy. Yeah. I mean, more is the eighth wide receiver off the board to finish off round three. And then Josh Allen goes once again, QB seven to Andrew Geller here. You know, we talked a little bit on one of the previous streams about running quarterbacks, maybe being more of a help here where um, we, we want two quarterbacks in our starting lineup most weeks. And that running aspect, I don't know, kind of gives you a higher floor, a better chance of getting those two high quarterback scores a week. 
Yeah, higher floor. I think a higher ceiling too with the rushing quarterbacks. Um, th- this league is also 25 passing yards per point. So that, that makes a little bit of a difference versus 20 passing yards per point. That boosts the running quarterbacks a little bit. It, yeah, We've seen Josh Allen come off the board as quarterback seven pretty consistently in these drafts. What do you think about Josh Allen at quarterback seven right now? I know that he, you don't rank him seventh, but what yeah. do you what do you feel about it? He's he's in that tier. I mean, there's clearly a drop off after quarterback six. My next two guys are Tom Brady and Carson Wentz. But, you know, those two guys, I think Josh Allen, I think Matt Ryan, I think, you know, maybe those those four guys are all in the next tier. And I, I won't argue too hard against those guys in any order. Yeah, I mean, obviously Josh Allen can finish at QB7, so I'm not going to tell anybody that they're wrong for doing that. And, I mean, he's been a good fantasy quarterback so far, and now he gets Stephon Diggs. So even if Josh Allen is a limited passer, and he is, Stephon Diggs still obviously helps the ultimate upside for Josh Allen. What I'll be curious to see with him most is if we at some point get this year where he loses like four or five rushing touchdowns off that number that just is abnormal for a quarterback. Now he scores a lot because he gets a lot of rushing attempts in the red zone near the goal line. So I'm not saying it's, it's totally fluky and it's going to disappear, but it wouldn't be shocking if we suddenly get a year where he scores two or three times on the ground. Yeah. I mean, what was it? Dak Prescott scored six times each of his first three seasons. And then I think he was down to two or three last year. As you said, Allen is a little different because he gets that goal line work. I also wonder though, if Buffalo wants him to continue getting, getting that goal right. line work. I wonder if, you know, Frank Gore sort of running out of gas in the second half of last season kind of forced Buffalo to use Josh Allen in that role more than they wanted to. They obviously have Zach Moss now. So we'll, we'll see if Moss steals, you know, more of that goal line work from Josh Allen. And Zach Moss is a big dude who runs hard. He can definitely take that stuff probably more than Frank Gore, especially at this point in their respective careers. So that will be something to watch. Kevin took David Johnson as the 19th running back off the board because he's trying to kill his own team, I guess. Uh, Then we had Odell Beckham go as the ninth wide receiver off the board. I mean, that's a little bit earlier than usual for Odell Beckham. And again, ahead of Mike Evans. Yeah, early for Beckham. I wanted to note too that um, DJ Moore now has been a top eight wide receiver pick in three straight drafts in, in this DS Invitational. So a lot of folks high on DJ Moore. I can't argue with it. I mean, that's a bit higher than I have him ranked, you know, that we have him ranked on draft sharks. But, and again, I, I think everything points to him being a, a stud for a long time. So I, I do think he's a relatively safe bet. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure that we've talked about him. I, I know we at least talked about him on the NFC South podcast. But, you know, we, we talked – more about AJ Brown last night and him being somebody that maybe you worry about not being on board with so much. DJ Moore is that guy for me where I, he came out lower in my projections than what you have to pay to get him. And he's going so high that if, you know, if he, if, if we're wrong about him being that good or the Panthers being that good, then it's going to cost you because you're taking him over guys like Mike Evans, you know, Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson, but DJ Moore much more than AJ Brown is the one who scares me about, being out on because it's entirely possible he sees 150 targets on this team and that he just proves that he's really good which is what it looks like yeah I totally agree but I mean when he's going wide receiver eight and if he's going in like the third round of drafts which he generally does I mean there's not a ton of meat on the bone like I don't think you're going to get crushed by passing on DJ Moore in the third round if you can get him in the fourth and you can get him you know outside the top five wide receivers I think he's definitely worth taking there Um, but again wide receiver eight I think it's fine I don't think he's a huge value there, but I definitely think he can pay off. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to be a huge value that high in the draft for anybody. Um, Leonard Fournette running back 20 with the fourth pick to Darren Armani. So he's gone quarterback, running back, wide receiver, running back. Uh, Then Ron Meyer, who took Dalvin Cook in round one, his third straight receiver, he got Mike Evans at 405. 
I would have to imagine that everybody who is getting Mike Evans in the fourth round at this point is smiling about it. Yeah, you got to be. Um, Matt, Matt Ryan off the board next. He's the eighth quarterback with the sixth pick of round four to Mike Randall. So each of our teams that started with three running backs has gone to another position in round four. Uh, Matt Ryan, as I said, the eighth quarterback. Tom Brady, the next one. Ninth quarterback going to Nick Bakai's team. He's got Michael Thomas, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Tom Brady, and, you know, we've said it before, I'm surprised that Tom Brady's ADP is not in this range. Yeah, this is where he should be going. Um, I think this is the first time he's gone inside the top 10 quarterbacks in any of our drafts so far. Mm-hmm. Allen Robinson is the 11th receiver off the board. He's the eighth pick around four. He's the first wide receiver on John Paulson's roster. Patrick Mahomes, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Allen Robinson, the start for John Paulson, a four for four. Jack Miller has started with Alvin Kamara, Julio Jones, Russell Wilson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then he took A.J. Brown. At the 16th, as the 16th wide receiver off the board, that's exactly where AJ Brown went um, last night, I believe, unless he was 15. He was where is AJ Brown? He was wide receiver 15 last night. Um, this this is the general area he goes in. Um, J- Jack Miller seems to be. You know, we've seen a, a few teams, especially picking in the top half of round one, they they get that elite running back, and then they you know pile in the other positions. You know, kind of a modified zero running back, I guess you could call it. Yeah, that was where Hayden Winks started with a, a, t- a build like that ahead of me on Wednesday night. Took, um, I think he took Kamara right he was. Me. Yep. And then I took Dalvin Cook at five. So, yeah, we'll see. Let's see how long Jack Miller goes. And he, he's from Rotoviz, so it's the right origin to go with some kind of zero RB strategy. Sigmund Bloom at number three took um, Le'Veon Bell and Chris Carson with his past two picks. So he's got three running backs, Dak Prescott and Zach Ertz so far. No wide receivers through five picks for Sigmund so far. Um, Le'Veon Bell running back 22 in round five. I, you know, I'm never going to be excited about him, but I certainly can't argue with him there. Yeah. Kind of like um, Nick Chubb at RB 14, I think, you know, running back 22 um, is kind of the end of a tier. You know, it's kind of those guys who you can least, at least sort of bet on getting decent volume from. And I at least like Le'Veon Bell much better at RB 22 than I like David Montgomery at any point, just because, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell is going to catch a lot more passes. Uh, you know, maybe David, David Montgomery gets a lot more receptions, but the higher reception floor for Bell makes him uh, an every week, you know, solid number guy, even if he doesn't have the spike week. So he sets that floor for you in case your other running backs bust. Yeah, I started the offseason a lot higher on Le'Veon Bell. He's just sort of been like, you know, ticking down my rankings, it seems like every month. Um, I, I mean, you know, especially with the Jamal Adams trade now, I, I think the Jets are going to be pretty bad, which obviously hurts Bell's case. I, you know what has surprised me is Frank Gore sticking around till the very end of drafts. I mean, I wouldn't expect people to be excited, but yeah. he's one of those guys you, you get to like round 22 and you're like, oh, Frank Gore's still there. All right. My, why not? Yep. Yeah. He always gets on the field where, no, no matter where he goes. After Chris Carson was Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, and then Calvin Ridley around the turn. That was the 13th, 14th, and 15th wide receivers. About the range where all those guys are going. Amari Cooper, though, slid to wide receiver 20 last night. So this looks like a more appropriate spot for him on Ryan McDowell's team. Yeah, I mean, I have to look through all the draft boards, but that, uh, Amari Cooper at wide receiver 20 last night stands out to me as like maybe the best value we've seen in, in any of these drafts. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And Ryan McDowell has also gone with Christian McCaffrey and then four non-running backs, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley to follow the McCaffrey start. So be curious to see where his next running back comes. J.J. Zacharyson has also gone without a running back since his Saquon Barkley pick in round one. Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews, Adam Thielen, and now Carson Wentz in round five as the 10th quarterback off the board. Um, 
not so late a quarterback for Mr. Late Round Quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, JJ would tell you, you know, the strategy obviously changes in Superflex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then Le'Veon Bell, as we mentioned, A.J. Brown. We also mentioned Cooper Cup at wide receiver 17. Raheem Mostert, running back 23 to Nick Bakai's team. He's the second running back on that roster. Then our boy Robert Woods at wide receiver 18, which is later than he should go, but it's right about where he always goes, so it's not a surprise. And yeah. then Ron Meyer took his second running back, Cam Akers, in round five. So he went Dalvin Cook, three wide receivers, and a running back through five picks. He has no quarterback. He's one of, what do we have? four teams with or three teams with no quarterback so far uh yep three teams with no quarterback um yeah sad to see john paulson make the mistake of taking cooper cup over robert woods that's 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 too bad um and then we got terry mclaurin come off the board at wide receiver 19 he's pretty consistently been right around there he's been like right around wide receiver 20 which i think is is right where he belongs and his adp was a little bit lower than that heading into these drafts again you know we mentioned it with some other players it's nice to see. It's nice to be able to see where sharp drafters, you know, experienced drafters are consistently differing. It'd be one thing if McLaurin was 19 here and like 25 last night, but he's yeah. consistently going right around here. So I wouldn't be surprised if we keep seeing that happen in, you know, say FFPC main event drafts. Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we haven't even talked about the Darius Geist news yet. We'll, we'll get to that as we start to see some of these Washington running backs come off the board. But I, you know, I don't, I don't think that hurts Terry McLaurin. It might actually help him. I think, you know, maybe there's 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 more pass volume by necessity. Washington's not going to be any better without Darius Geist. They're going to be trailing more in games. So I, everything's just sort of pointing towards Terry McLaurin this season for me, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's getting a little bit tougher to not be on the side of Terry McLaurin, I guess, at this point, because I mean, it's it's getting to the point where it's difficult to see him not getting high target volume. Right. My hesitation with him going in is, you know, here's a guy who was fourth on his last college team in receptions. His quarterback stunk last year. His team stunk last year. His team looks like it'll probably stink again. But I mean, if the guy gets 130 or 140 targets, he can only be so bad on those numbers unless his quarterback just, you know, is one of the worst quarterbacks ever. Yeah, yeah, tough tough to fail in that kind of volume. Um, I agree that McLaurin didn't look like a great prospect coming out, but I think what he did last year should, you know, at least negate some of that. I think you got to, you know, re, re, rethink your, your, uh, your feelings on him after what he did as a rookie. I am, and I, I certainly didn't think much of him heading into last season when I watched his opener against the Eagles, and I was like, wow, who is this guy? And, you know, he certainly showed flashes the rest of the way. So we'll see. He's going to be interesting to watch either way, for sure. DJ Chark was a 20th wide receiver off the board with the next pick, so Nelson Sousa is still without a quarterback through his first five selections. Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, James Conner, Odell Beckham, and then DJ Chark for Nelson. Kevin also went five picks without a quarterback. He took Cortland Sutton as the 21st wide receiver off the board, the first wide out on his roster. He had three running backs by the end of round four. So again, that's been a less common build than I would have guessed going in. And maybe that is the way to get a little bit of advantage on this field in the 60 player tournament, you know, where you got to do something to differentiate. You would think that taking a quarterback earlier might've been a way to do that, but it turns out that maybe the way to differentiate is to do what people have been doing more commonly in other best ball drafts. Yeah, there there've definitely been more I guess fewer teams that have waited on quarterback. Um and again, I think being on the turn like I think Kevin probably knew he was going to take a quarterback with, with one of these next two picks and you know, if he didn't see anyone he'd loved, you just pass on him in the fifth and then get your guy coming back in the sixth. 
And I'm sure it helped his decision to know that Andrew Geller at the turn already had a quarterback. Uh, we did get another quarterback to Andrew Geller's team with his end of the fifth round pick. He took Daniel Jones, who went at the exact same spot as last night, quarterback 11 off the board. He went to Kimra as the 11th quarterback last night. Uh, I don't remember the exact round, but the same range. Um, so interesting that Daniel Jones has been pushed up that far. Uh, if anything, I'm drafting him below ADP. Uh, he certainly had the spike weeks last year, though, and has the rushing upside week to week. Yeah, and Andrew paired uh, Daniel Jones with Josh Allen, so he's got a couple of Russian quarterbacks there. Whether that was his strategy coming in or uh, coming in or not, can't be sure. But um, definitely like that he got you know two guys who can add fantasy value with their legs there. And he's got two guys that within the next three or four rounds, we'll see whether he's set on um, stacking them with any of their pass catchers. We saw basically Kimra waited until late, late to stack Darius Slayton, passed on opportunities for other Giants pass catchers. So clearly wasn't too concerned about stacking. And I, I do think that uh, the more pass catching options that a quarterback has, the less attractive the stacking becomes. It's most attractive when you've got a quarterback and his clear number one receiver, because those two are likely to lock up in big weeks for both of them when it's when it's spread around i think it certainly matters less so we'll see what andrew decides to do kevin did take his first quarterback and we've got a run going on that position he got drew Brees around the turn i don't think that you could do much better than drew Brees if you wait until round six to take your first super flex quarterback yeah i mean drew Brees has been paying off quarterback 12 price tag basically since he's arrived in new orleans i don't you know he, he showed no signs of slowing down last year the Taysom Hill thing can be annoying but it didn't really affect his fan fantasy production too much last year so definitely on board with Breeze and he's a guy who you know obviously you're not stacking him with Michael Thomas if you're Kevin but there are a couple options later in the draft that, that you can stack up with Breeze. Mm -hmm. uh, Kareem Hunt went in between Daniel Jones and Drew Breeze but then as I said we've got a quarterback run starting so right after Breeze we had Cam Newton as the 13th quarterback he seems to be creeping up the board a little bit. I believe that's the highest that he's gone in any of these drafts, but he's been going like 15, 16. Uh, Might have gone 12 for once, although I could be thinking of another draft. There have been a lot of those flying around lately. Damn, you're good. He did go, he went 12th in the first draft, and he also went 13th in another draft, and 16th is the latest he's gone. Nice. So that seems like the range for Cam. And if you really want him, you're going to have to go probably no later than QB 12 off the board. And certainly, you know, we're talking about running quarterbacks. It, it might be a little tougher to remember because of the way last year went for Cam Newton, but he can run a little bit. And even if he's moving to a brand new team, I guarantee New England didn't bring him in to turn him into just a drop back passer. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's it's a smart organization. Um, it's not like they're loaded with pass catching weapons. So I, I expect Cam to do plenty of running this year. I'm not sure they have any pass catchers that you can call a weapon at this point. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was the 14th quarterback right after Cam Newton. I like, honestly, that Aaron Rodgers is sliding just a bit in these drafts as well. Uh, he he might have hit the top 12 one time, I think, so far among the five drafts. And I could be misremembering, but I know that there have been at least a couple times where he slips outside the top 12. And I think that's where Aaron Rodgers belongs at this point. I, I don't think he even beats others in that range on upside at this stage. I mean... Maybe I'll have two or three spike weeks, but so will everybody else in that range. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what he was last year, a spike week guy. Um, he, I think he finished right at quarterback 12 last year, but um, he, he was he was not consistent. He had a few big gains, but he had, he had a bunch of weeks where he was you know outside quarterback one territory. I wonder if this season we're going to start getting Aaron Rodgers face the way we used to get Eli Manning face because you can he's he's 
got to get more and more frustrated with the way things are going in Green Bay. And he's already somebody who gives us some expressions during the year. It might be a website to start. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an awkward season in Green Bay after, you know, how the offseason went. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford is the next quarterback, QB 15. That's near his ADP, although it's a little bit lower than he's been usually or lately because uh, I think he's climbed up to QB 12 in best ball 10 drafting ADP. Are you talking about Stafford? Yeah. Yeah, it's all, all, all those Kenny Galladay fans, you know, got to gotta, gotta take Stafford to go with him. And Stafford did get stacked with Kenny Galladay. He was the first quarterback for Ron Meyer. So, you know, like I said, Kevin, I, I like Drew Brees. I like Ron Meyer. If you're going to take Kenny Galladay earlier than I want to get his quarterback three rounds later, I think that's the way to do it. Um, so Ron has started Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, Cam Akers. So two running backs, three wideouts, and then Matthew Stafford, his first six picks. Mike Randall followed with Tyler Lockett, who's going too late at wide receiver 22. He joins Robert Woods as the two wide receivers on Mike's roster so far, three running backs, Matt Ryan, his first quarterback. And then Darren Waller is the fifth tight end off the board in the middle of round six. And that's been about where we've seen the gap end, the top four tight ends gone by the middle of round three. And then the fifth one at some point, middle to end of round six, a little bit more than three rounds in between them. Yeah, um, every single draft besides one, the uh, fifth tight ends got, come off the board in the sixth round. In the other draft, it was at 5-12. So it's basically where they've been coming off. Um, interesting, behind Darren Waller, DK Metcalf went. So both Seahawks wide receivers went right there. And they both went right ahead of Jack mm-hmm. Miller, who had Russell Wilson. So I wonder if he was looking for the stack there. Um, but then he actually ended up taking Ben Roethlisberger, um, who stacks up with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe next year we can get uh, live – cam footage in all of the homes of our drafters so we can see them reacting when they did or didn't get a stack maybe next year uh 2022 at the latest we'll have that that is a nice fallback though if you miss out it had to be tough if you were looking for the the wide receiver stack for seattle to watch lockett and metcalf both go in those three picks right before your turn but getting the qb stack with juju is a nice fallback in that spot definitely yep Devontae Parker, the 24th receiver off the board. And is that where he belongs or should he be inside the top 20 at this point after all the opt-outs? That's better than we saw. Was it last night he went at like? Yeah, wide receiver 27 last night. Um, I think he went later in one of the other drafts. I mean, wide receiver 24 is better. I think he, he you know, he's, he's there with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf in the same territory. But um, yeah, I, I think Parker, I, I believe in him. Like you just watched him play last year and he was awesome. But sort of like with McLaren, it's like, Parker, I think, is, is a lock for big volume. I think he, I think he was even before Albert, Wirth, Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns opted out. But you know that that only locks him into to more volume. I think. Yeah, I think it's fair to be apprehensive with Devontae Parker, though. After he had was it four disappointing, you know, relatively disappointing years yeah. before last year's breakout. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's fair. Um, he he was also in bad situations, obviously in Miami, and not not that last year was. A lot better, but I think he, you know, he had a quarterback in Fitzpatrick who would you know, sort of throw the ball in his direction, let him make plays. Um, I think it'd be better for Parker if, if Fitzpatrick stays under center for longer this season. I think that you know they built that rapport last year. I wonder what will happen, you know, if and when Tua takes over. I'm very curious to see what happens with Tua Tangavailoa this year because I I have no idea what to expect coming off his injury. DeAndre Swift followed Devontae Parker off the board. He's a 26th running back, second to last pick of round six to J.J. Zacharyzen, and then Ryan McDowell also took a running back. Mark Ingram as the 27th guy to end round six. Uh, Around the turn, he took Evan Ingram 
as the tight end six. So earlier than Evan Ingram went last night, he had already gone as tight end five and at least our first two drafts though. So this is right around where you can expect to see Evan Ingram go. Certainly a, a fair spot for him. Yeah, fair. Um, you know, I even would lean in his direction over Darren Waller. Waller maybe safer just because he doesn't have the injury history, but I would bet on Ingram out producing Waller, at least in points per game this season. John Paulson, by the way, who took Cooper Cup back in round five, made the DK Metcalf pick as opposed to taking Jared Goff. You wonder if he was hoping to see the stack option come around. Jared Goff went with the second pick of round seven to JJ's team. So by the way, it's two of the first 17 quarterbacks to JJ Zacharyson, who might have to change his Twitter handle after this draft. Um, then Ryan Tannehill to Sigmund Bloom, then Keenan Allen, and then John Paulson took Joe Burrow. So again, I wonder if he was hoping that Jared Goff would make it. And I'm, I, I, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say I'm surprised. I, I think he, I think you should be considering Jared Goff as the 16th quarterback off the board in round six, if you took Cooper cup. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm higher on golf than ADP. So I probably would have leaned there, but like also if you're Paulson, like I'm sure he likes DK Metcalf. And mm-hmm. at that point there's, I'm sure he has golf in a tier with like, you know, four or five other quarterbacks. And he was probably confident he'd get at least one of those on the way back. Maybe even golf would have got to him on the way back. So I don't, I don't mind going Metcalf there. Yeah, I don't mind it either. And again, Joe Burrow is is fine. I think there's as much upside to Joe Burrow as there is to Jared Goff. Uh, not sure what I would do in that spot. I, I I wouldn't have had Cooper Cup. I would have had Robert Woods probably in that spot. And then, honestly, I would probably lean toward Jared Goff because I do think, although there are quarterbacks close to Jared Goff there, especially in week-to-week upside, I think there are also wide receivers close to DK Metcalf in that range. I mean, Keenan Allen went the spot before John's next pick in round seven. I think that's a similar value. I think Michael Gallup's a similar value to DK Metcalf and other, a few other guys still on the board. So, you know, worth discussing. I would certainly not a, a bad pick, uh, I would say by any means. Keenan Allen, a wide receiver 25. Do you have any worry at any point that we're undervaluing either us as a website or us as a, a fantasy drafting, you know, community are undervaluing Keenan Allen this year? Yeah, we're, we're actually higher on both Allen and Mike Williams than ADP right now, um, which, which I actually like. You know, I, I, I have some concerns about the Chargers offense in general. I do think it, it's a good defense. They probably want to run the ball. The pass volume is probably going to be down from what it was last year. But I think people have just gone too far against guys like Keenan Allen. Like Keenan Allen, just he, he's awesome. He's super safe. The volume's going to be there. I think at wide receiver 25, he's a good bet to return a profit. And, and same goes with Mike Williams. Like, you know, we talked about – he only scored twice last year after scoring 10 times the previous season. Should have some positive touchdown regression coming. And he, you know, Williams, I think, is like in the wide receiver 50s in ADP. I think I think he's a value there, too. Yeah, I think I wonder if Keenan Allen is going to be like the modified uh, Jarvis Landry this year, where everybody who's drafting him in the 20s is just smiling when he finishes 11th. Yeah, I, I could totally see it. Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo in rapid succession behind the Keenan Allen pick. Jack Miller, by the way, is still not a second running back after he took Alvin Kamara back in round one. He's gone Kamara, Julio Jones, Russell Wilson, Juju, A.J. Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and then that Keenan Allen pick. Um, So we are seven rounds in. He's got one running back. John Paulson, two running backs. He took Joe Burrow, as you mentioned, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo. Michael Gallup was the next pick by Ron Meyer, who has four wideouts now. David Montgomery, running back twenty-eight, a little bit earlier than last night. Yeah, and again, I think I think that's where he belongs. I think if you're, you know, he he's in he's in the mix with guys like Ronald Jones or Cam Akers. Sometimes I think Montgomery's the safer bet among those. If you're looking for upside, I think you know guys like Akers and Jones beat Montgomery there. 
Right. I mean, DeAndre Swift, Mark Ingram were the two running backs right ahead of him. I certainly can't say that David Montgomery is a worse pick than either of those guys or that he's a, a worse bet for production. Um, Ronald Jones was the next running back two spots later after David Montgomery. Marquise Brown, I've been a little surprised that we haven't seen any spots in these drafts where Marquise Brown goes noticeably earlier than this. R- wide receiver 27. Yeah, it seems like he's steadily climbing ADP. Like, I think he was in the 30s early in draft season, um, but he, he definitely hasn't spiked yet. And I still think, you know, there's room for him to return a profit at wide receiver 27 for sure. And tonight, for example, he went at that third to last pick of round seven right after Lamar Jackson owner Darren Armani drafted David Montgomery instead. Uh, to me, that's a spot where you take Marquise Brown because David Montgomery is not winning this title. I agree. Yep. Ronald Jones was the next pick after Marquise Brown, the 29th running back off the board. Tyler Higby, the seventh tight end to close out round seven to Andrew Geller's team. Uh, too bad Adam can't be with us for Tyler Higby to go seven. Yeah, Andrew Geller and Adam must be, you know, best buds with the Josh Allen and Tyler Higby picks. Mike Jasucki went, I think, the earliest that he's gone in any of these drafts to Nelson Sousa in the next round, the eighth tight end off the board. I mean, he, I've said what I – I've said what I think about Mike Jasucki, the player. If he gets 120 targets, then uh, it's tough to be wrong about him. I mean, if he gets 90 targets, I think, you know, he's he's probably going to finish as a top 12 tight end. If he gets um, 90 targets, he's catching 46 of them. Yeah, that's probably enough to be a top 12 tight end. The, bu- the bar is low. I guess that you know, that's half the point. Um, pri- prior to Gasicki, um, Andrew Geller did stack Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen. And then I think I think Kevin English's roster is interesting. He, he has just one wide receiver through his first eight picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's gone Travis Kelsey, Joe Mixon, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, Cortland Sutton, Drew Brees, Ronald Jones, and then stacks Drew Locke with Cortland Sutton. I, I think everybody else in this league might as well just go ahead and shut it down because Kevin just won it with the Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton stack. Hey, I had the same exact stack in my draft, so I, got, I guess I'm winning my league too. All right, I guess it's down to you guys then <laughs> for the overall title. Uh, Hayden Hurst is the ninth tight end off the board, follows Mike Jasucki. I think Hayden Hurst has gotten to be a little bit underrated at this point after starting draft season a little bit high. I, I think he's gone in the other direction, hasn't he? I, mean, I think he started like, you know, tight oh, end. Oh, you know what? I was, thinking, I was thinking Hunter Henry when I said Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Hunter Henry is the next guy. Hunter Henry has fallen down. Hayden Hurst has climbed up. So never mind that previous comment. No, and, and I agree with you on Henry. You know, we, we sort of overlooked him. We were talking about the Chargers. He's just another guy. I just think – People have gone you know, a, little, a little too far in their Chargers hate to push Hunter Henry down to tight end 10. Perhaps the most interesting individual pick just happened, and it was Mike Randall taking Zach Moss with the sixth pick of round eight. He is the 30th running back off the board, which is way ahead of Zach Moss's ADP. And more notably, he went with Devin Singletary still on the board. So Mike Randall thinks that Zach Moss is going to outscore Devin Singletary this year, or at the very least, thinks that Zach Moss has more weekly upside. I think it's possible Moss outscores Singletary. You know, I'd put it like, I don't know, 65-35 in favor of Singletary at this point. Um, Singletary went off the board right behind Zach Moss there, RB30 and RB31. Um, we, we've seen we've seen Singletary drop well below ADP in, in basically all these drafts. Yeah, so I'm all for getting your guy as opposed to missing out on him. I think that when you grab somebody – you know, 16 spots ahead of his positional ADP, that might be going a little too far because you can take somebody else ahead of that and still almost definitely get your guy at least the next round, if not even two rounds later. And so for me, maybe it's one round earlier 
that you reach to get your guy if you want to make sure to get him. And especially if it's somebody like Zach Moss. Like if you miss out on Zach Moss and that ends your season, then things probably weren't going that well to begin with. Well, and I think too, like you, you have to gamble sometimes in drafts. Like, yeah, you really want Zach Moss, but just just gamble he makes it to you, at least in the ninth round as like, you know, running back 35. That's still well ahead of ADP, but like you're just you're, you're killing a lot of the potential value you're getting on a Zach Moss when you're taking him at RB30 when, you know, other teams in this draft have got him at RB40, RB45. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Singletary followed Zach Moss off the board. Then we had Tyler Boyd go to John Paulson's team. So that gives him the stack that he didn't get previously with the Rams, Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd in consecutive rounds. And, you know, as we've said, I think that's a stack that we both like. If Paulson had just taken Woods instead of Cup, he'd be sitting on a, on a gem of a team right now. He might have enough to challenge you and Kevin with your Drew Lock, Cortland Sutton stacks. <laughs> Possibly. Teddy Bridgewater followed Tyler Boyd off the board. He is the 23rd quarterback. Then it was Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins and T- Teddy Bridgewater give their teams three quarterbacks already through eight rounds of this draft. That's Jack Miller's squad, who, again, still hasn't taken another running back since round one. He has Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, and now Teddy Bridgewater as his three QBs. He's got Kamara. He's got four wide receivers, so also no tight ends yet for Jack Miller's modified zero RB build. Yeah, so two teams with three quarterbacks through eight rounds. Um, There are also two teams, Ron Meyer and Nelson Sousa, with just one quarterback. But no teams with zero quarterbacks, so nobody got anywhere close to the record tonight. No, No QB watch for this particular draft. Um, Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, the three quarterbacks for Sigmund Bloom's team. He has three running backs as well. He has Devontae Parker as his only wide receiver through eight picks now. So I'll be curious to see. He doesn't really have stacking options with either um, Cousins or Ryan Tannehill at this point. Curious to see. And he missed out on, on Michael Gallup if he takes some Cowboys pass catchers over the next couple rounds. Yeah, I think, I mean, really the stacking partners with all of his quarterbacks would be the tight ends right now. Mm-hmm. He did have Ezekiel Elliott, as we mentioned, to go with Dak Prescott. So starting out with a a scoring stack there for Dallas. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Gibson, we talked about the Washington situation. Antonio Gibson becomes the first Washington running back off the board, and he is RB32 to J.J. Zacharyson in round eight, the second to last pick of the round. Jared, what do you think about Antonio Gibson at that point? I mean, you know, th- this news obviously broke, what, two hours ago? So, like, I-, I can't say I'm totally settled on where I have Gibson and where I have AP in, you know, my, my personal rankings. It- it's earlier than he than he is right now in the DS rankings by, you know, I think like 10 to 15 spots. I don't have a major issue with it, though, because I think, you know, once you get beyond those top 30 or so running backs, like the Montgomery, Singletary range, a lot of those guys at that point are dice rolls. I mean, I think they're safer bets. Like a Jordan Howard is a safer bet. I mean, Gibson, I think, is a ton of ups. I mean, there's a chance he leads that backfield and touches, which is crazy to say because the guy had, like, what, like, I think 33 carries in his entire, you know, two seasons at Memphis. So definitely inexperienced, but obviously a guy Washington's high on, um, checks a lot of boxes as far as, you know, efficiency in college. His measurables are off the charts. So the upside's there. Um, And, again, I think at running back 32, I think that's about as early as he should go. But if he's at RB32, I don't have a major issue with it. Yeah, I mean, if you had said this morning that Antonio Gibson had a shot to lead that backfield in touches, it'd be like, yeah, okay, what's going to happen to Darius Geis? What is he going to get caught in domestic violence and get arrested this afternoon and released by the team? That is the news, by the way, in case you missed it. He was arrested, Darius Geis, this afternoon 
on domestic violence charges, uh, some really bad ones. Not that there are good ones, but it, it sounds like a, a bad situation. And Washington quickly released him. So Darius Geis does not seem like he's going to be involved in the coming NFL season. Antonio Gibson, the first Washington running back off the board, the 32nd running back off the board overall, the third running back on the roster for J.J., who has Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift before him. I, I don't know what to make of the backfield yet. I would bet that Adrian Peterson leads the team in carries. I certainly think that Antonio Gibson looks like as good a bet as any of them to lead the team in receptions. I'm curious to see if Bryce Love is ready to challenge for anything because the situation just got a whole lot better for him if he is ready to play football up to the level he was at at Stanford. And I, if I had to bet right now, I would guess that Washington probably adds a running back in free agency before we get too far through August. Yeah, and there are a couple, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to say quality free agent running backs, but at least capable free agent running backs in, in uh, Devontae Freeman and Lamar Miller. So I do expect Washington to, to possibly add one of those guys, at least add someone. I do want to take one thing back about Antonio Gibson. I would not take him over J.K. Dobbins. Um, okay. But – Besides, besides that, I'll, I'll be curious to see where Adrian Peterson goes. Like he, he's a guy, like especially in like one of these, you know, quote unquote expert drafts. Like no one wants to be the guy who takes Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, this this you know thirty five year old whatever he is uh, running back. But I, I do think um, you know if we get into the running back forties, say um, he he could be a value there just based on volume alone. He was he was still you know decent enough last year. Yeah, I mean, we thought he was done in Arizona, and he's been just fine for the past two seasons in Washington and a bad Washington offense, a deteriorating offensive line. Yep. So Adrian Peterson's definitely going to make sense at some point. We'll see when he starts making sense to somebody in this draft. Um, as you mentioned, we saw Will Fuller and J.K. Dobbins go around the turn. I agree. I would take J.K. Dobbins over Antonio Gibson. Um, can't argue with the opportunity there, though. Deontay Johnson, the 31st wide receiver off the board. That's a little early. I, I've seen JJ talk up Deontay Johnson a bit, and I know he's a Pittsburgh guy. I don't, I don't know if there's a little bit of deep-seated bias there that maybe he might not even realize is going on, but it's worth noting when you see Deontay Johnson go at that level. Tell you what, the two biggest Steelers fans I know, who are Lenny and my brother, um, but both have told me that they think there's a legitimate chance that Johnson outscores Juju Smith-Schuster this season. There's definitely enough buzz on him from people that I believe, you know, not just dudes who like to talk about the Steelers, but people that I believe know what they're talking about to make me think it's possible. That has been a big factor in me staying away from Juju at the price I'd have to pay for him this season. Because, I, you know, I, I can't say that there's not a chance that Deontay Johnson passes him this year. I don't know. I haven't seen Juju Smith-Schuster be the lead receiver for the team, as we've mentioned so far. So. We'll see. I, I can't argue with Deontay Johnson in this range, although still not sure I would take him ahead of T.Y. Hilton and A.J. Green. Yeah, and we've talked about the, the risk on Juju that, you know, Big Ben just doesn't come back from that injury well enough or he gets hurt again. At least with Deontay, like you're, you're taking him, what, like five rounds later and, you know, 20 to 25 wide receiver spots later. So that th there's at least less risk when you're only spending that much on a Steelers wide up. Yeah, and you can certainly – ensure behind your third wide receiver in this draft. There are going to be plenty of opportunities. So T.Y. Hilton was the next player off the board to Sigmund Bloom's team. His second receiver, Devontae Parker and T.Y. Hilton on his roster. T.J. Hawkinson then goes, I think the earliest that he's gone so far to Jack Miller, the 11th tight end off the board, normally in like tight end 14-15 range. Yeah, Hawkinson and uh, Noah Fan, who came off the board here at tight end 14, sort of switched places tonight. Um, 
I think I've talked about Hawkinson on previous shows. Um, Noah Fant sort of in the same boat for me. He's just a talent I want to bet on. Like he was a, you know, super high end prospect coming into the league last year. Fant had a, you know, much better rookie season than Hawkinson. You can talk about the quarterback questions with Denver, the increased target competition for Noah Fant, but he's just, he's, he's a talent I want to bet on, especially when, you know, he, he, he does generally go like outside the top tight end, top, top 10 tight ends in these drafts. So I think there's, you know, that, that negates some of the risk. And I think there's the upside for him to easily beat that price. We'll keep tracking Jack Miller's uh, modified zero RB build. He is still without a second running back through nine rounds. So certainly clearly following that path, John Paulson, took A.J. Green right after the T.J. Hawkinson pick. He doesn't have any tight ends through nine picks now, has two quarterbacks, five wide receivers, and two running backs. Rob Gronkowski was the 12th tight end off the board, goes to Nick Bakai's team. He has Darren Waller also at tight end, has two quarterbacks, has two wide receivers, three running backs. Jonu Smith, the next tight end off the board, tight end 13. That seems like the range that we like him, right? Yeah, it's about where he belongs. I I prefer Fant, but other than that, um, I definitely think John who's in that territory. Um, Paulson interesting there with Burrow, Boyd, AJ Green back to back to back. I, I like that. I, I think I, I said on a previous show that I'm probably higher on the Bengals offense than maybe I should be. But um, I think, you know, with Burrow, who I believe is ready to, you know, be a quality NFL starter right away and the weapons he has there, that, that, that could be a, a really solid passing game this season. I agree. You've got the ultimate upside in AJ Green. You've got the insurance in Tyler Boyd, and you've got somebody that we think is a high upside fantasy quarterback right away because of the rushing in Joe Burrow. So I agree. And I I don't know that I've seen those three stacked on the same roster in another draft I've been in to this point. No, I don't. I'm not sure uh, Burrow's been stacked with any of his wideouts, and he definitely has not been stacked with both of them. Hmm. Uh, so John Smith, Noah Fant. Uh, John Smith and Noah Fant are very similar. They're very athletic, they're young. We're still waiting to see how many targets they're going to get. Um, and they're both in offenses that make you question what the upside is. Yeah, I like them both. I, I just like – you look at those two guys coming into the league as college prospects. Like Fant, Fant blows Jonu Smith away, and Fant turned in a better rookie season than Jonu Smith. So that's why I lean Fant among those two. Brandon Cooks, the 34th wide receiver off the board, again, goes pretty close to Will Fuller, four spots in wide receiver – uh, selection behind him. And then two picks later, Jarvis Landry, the 35th wide receiver off the board. Can't argue with Jarvis Landry at that point in the draft to our boy, Kevin English. Yeah. I mean, I get discounting him a bit because of the hip injury. It's it's definitely a concern. It's a chance he's not ready for week one. There's a chance he's, you know, not hundred percent come week one, but um, I think, I think we said before, you know, if, if, and when Landry's healthy, he's going to be a lot more productive than wide receiver 35. Gardner Minshew in between those two picks, the 25th quarterback off the board, the second quarterback for Nelson Sousa's team joins Cam Newton. So that's kind of like a risk reward duo at quarterback for him. If both of those guys stay healthy, then they both have rushing upside. We all know Cam Newton's, but Gardner Minshew was also a good um, rushing producer last year when he was starting for Jacksonville. Yeah. And as we've said with Minshew, another nice thing about him is, you know, he, he is Jacksonville's starter for this season, barring injury. So at least Nelson knows, you know, he's probably going to get 16 games out of Minshew. Mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry, CeeDee Lamb at the turn. So Andrew Geller took CeeDee Lamb and then Nicole Hardman. Those are early spots for both of those guys. CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver 36, I think is fine. To me, if you draft him there though, you're saying that he's going to, um, take away some from either Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper or both, because that's definitely higher than Lamb is generally going. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, we, we, we've talked about Randall Cobb leaving behind, what was it, 83 targets last year? Like, I don't know. It, it's possible that Lamb turns 80 to 85 targets into, you know, a wide receiver 36 finish because he's that good and that offense is that good. Um, I don't have a big issue with Lamb at wide receiver 36. You were you were the team that got the steal on Lamb. You took Lamb at wide receiver 48. Um, he, he's been going more like around wide receiver 40 in most of these other drafts. Mm-hmm. Nicole Hardman, wide receiver 37, I honestly don't like. Um, you know, he's, he's going to have a few spike weeks because of the speed and because he plays yeah. with Patrick Mahomes, but I mean, he's also going to average four targets a game. Yep. I'm, I'm out on Hardman. Um, even, even five, six, seven spots later than, than wide receiver 37 would be too early for me. Yeah. I mean, I, wide receiver 50 might be too early for me, depending on whether, depending on what else I had in my roster. If I had Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes and I'd be more interested yeah, uh, Kevin took his third quarterback, so we he waited at the beginning until round six to take his first QB, but now has taken three in his past five turns. Drew Brees, then Drew Locke, then Derek Carr, like Derek Carr, and also like that there are still stacking options on the board to go with him. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about – I think we talked about Carr and the Raiders passing game in one of these other shows. It, it's a passing game that I'm higher on than, than ADP at least, I think um, – Carr was better last year than than most people realize from a real life perspective, at least, um, and just with the weapons they've added. And and as you said, those weapons are cheap. Like you can you can you know get any of his wide receivers you know outside the top ten rounds of fantasy drafts, which adds, I think adds some value to Carr in best balls. Yeah, I think Derek Carr is a quarterback that you project, and you're like, wait a second, do I really like Derek Carr that much? And then you look back through the numbers, it's like I guess I can't really argue with any of those. I mean, he, he's decently set up. He was solid last year when he wasn't crying about the pressure, uh, it's, it's a fine spot. And at the place where you can get him, there's nothing but upside from where you're taking him. James White next at RB 34, an interesting stack with Cam Newton. Cam Newton to me diminishes James White's reception upside a bit because some of those dump offs turn into scrambles now, but you know, there is a, such a dearth of receiving talent in new England that maybe James White just has to be in, that involved. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of studies done that show rushing quarterbacks don't throw their running backs as often. And it does make sense. They're scrambling instead of chucking it down. And some people are going to point to Cam Newton with Christian McCaffrey and you know say, look, Cam Newton threw all these balls to McCaffrey. That, that's a different story. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do think Cam hurts James White a little bit. Um, I'm not a big James White drafter. I just I don't like the pass catching specialist. I, I do think he's a better pick though in basketball leagues you just don't have to worry about when to start him because you know he is going to give you some of those you know five six seven catch games and he'll obviously be starting for you those weeks yeah I certainly think there's nothing wrong with him at the, at this point he's definitely not Christian McCaffrey but it might be that New England is to the point where James White is just you know that involved where he's running more routes and he is the target more so than the outlet yeah uh, Dallas Goddard was next with the 15th tight end off the board. Then Debo Samuel at wide receiver 38. I, I don't think we've really talked about Debo on any of these drafts. He kind of sneaks by at a point where I'm not really paying attention to him. But where are you taking Debo Samuel right now with his broken foot? I'm, I'm not taking Debo Samuel. Like, um, yeah, I think we have him ranked in like the in the mid 40s among wide receivers. Even then, though, I'll probably just find someone else. I, I don't. I you know those those Jones fractures are just tough especially you know when you suffer one in the spring like Debo had you know I, I'm sure they're gonna kind of rush him back I mean it's a team with Super Bowl aspirations he, he's their top receiver um, but that scares me we've, we've seen so many receivers have setbacks with that injury yeah and the thing for me is that we're not talking about somebody who's definitely a stud when he's back he had a really nice rookie season and he looks like he should be a good player but we're not talking about if you pass on Debo you're passing on 
somebody who could finish 16th among receivers. I think a good season for Debo this year will be finishing 30th at wide receiver, considering the broken foot coming into the season. So the way I'm treating Debo is I'm I'm more interested in Brandon Ayuk than I would have been. Yeah, and it's a run first offense, and George Kittle's you know still the top target there. They added, as you said, Ayuk in the first round, so I think he's going to come in and play a big big role. So I, we we were actually low on Debo. Um, even before the broken foot. And yeah, I, I think um, we're, we're looking to stay lower than ADP on him. Interesting. We mentioned James White and Nelson Sousa was the Cam Newton drafter. Uh, he, we, I, he, he passed on Julian Edelman as a stacking option there. And he already had three running backs, has three wide receivers. We, of course, start three wide receivers every week. I think it's a little interesting that he passed on Julian Edelman and favored James White instead. I wonder if that means Nelson thinks that James White is going to score. It's going to catch more passes than Julia Julian Edelman this year. That that wouldn't be my bet for sure. Yeah, we we talked about this on a previous show too. Edelman's ADP has not climbed since the Patriots signed Cam Newton, and I I think Cam Newton is an upgrade over Jarrett Stidham, a pretty consider considerable upgrade. So I think Edelman's ADP should have risen. I think it should be you know like at least in the mid thirties. I think at a wide receiver forty, he's he's a nice pick. And for me, Julian Edelman's the pick there to stack with Cam Newton because I don't think there's any evidence of a running quarterback hurting, you know, an ex-college quarterback who's now a possession receiver. Yeah, especially looking at Nelson's team. I mean, he started with three stud running backs, so he was already stronger at running back than wide receiver. Um, So, yeah. Edelman would have been the pick for me there. Uh, probably sh- we, we probably shouldn't be disagreeing with Nelson Sousa too much there. <laughs> right. right. This would be the the spot in the argument where he like flashes the money that he won at yeah. me. I'm like, okay, I guess we'll see what happens. This season. <laughs> exactly. Jalen Rager went in between Debo Samuel and Julian Edelman, 39th wide receiver off the board. He's climbing in ADP. Uh, I like Julian Rager long-term. Uh, Julian, Jesus. <laughs> I like him so much that I'm going to call him by somebody else's name. I like him long-term. I think he's going too early in drafts for this season, though. He, he's such a tough call for me because I, I I love him long term. Um, I, I thought among you know the top you know, five or so rookie wide receivers in this year's class that he might have been the least NFL ready. You know, like less NFL ready than C.D. Lamb, than Jerry Judy, than Justin Jefferson, than than Henry Ruggs even. Um, but the opportunity's there. Like Philly, Philly needs him to play a big role this season. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, wide receiver 39 earlier than, you know, I would take him, but again, um, yeah. not, not too big of an argument from me. Yeah, there. Certainly not a terrible spot for him. Yeah. Uh, Julian Edelman next Blake Jarwin tight end 16 off the board to John Paulson, the first tight end for John Paulson. And then around later, he got Jared cook as the 18th tight end. I mentioned last night, Jared cook is sliding in these drafts and that one, the, the depth to which he's sliding surprises me because the touchdown rate is coming down, but at the very least, when you are Drew Brees' tight end and one of his top four receiving options, you're going to, at the very least, have spike week potential. Yeah, he's been outside the top 15 tight ends in three of our five drafts. I think his ADP is like right around tight end 10, isn't it? Yeah, it's been um, in the 10 to 12 range for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely in for regression. Um, I don't know, maybe folks are concerned with his age. Um, but I, I, I just, you know, I think betting on that Saints passing game has has you know been a good bet since Drew Brees and Sean Payton arrived. Right. I am pleased to see that John agrees with me in ranking Blake Jarwin ahead of Jared Cook uh, and tight end 16, certainly a good spot to get him. Christian Kirk next. And then it was Sigmund Bloom who took Austin Hooper as the next tight end off the board. I have to wonder if Sigmund was hoping that Blake Jarwin was going to make it to that spot to stack with Dak Prescott. 
Yeah, he might have been. Um, we've 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 seen Hooper fall in these drafts as well. Um, he's to a point where I think he at least makes sense where he is, and he might even be a value where he's going now. Yeah, I agree with that. Tariq Cohen, the 35th running back, goes to JJ, who is clearly going for receiving running backs. I mean, Saquon Barkley obviously has that to him, but was the second pick of the draft. Then we've got DeAndre Swift. We've got Antonio Gibson. we got Tariq Cohen as the running backs on his roster so far. Yep, makes sense. And he followed that with Jamison Crowder, who is another one of those floor wide receivers we've talked about before. That kind of player um, you know, sets the table for you to take some more of those um, – upside chances at other spots at the position. Yeah, nice pick, especially looking at, you know, Tyreek Hill was his first wide receiver. And even for an upper echelon wide receiver, you know, he's a bit more volatile than, you know, someone like Julio Jones or Devontae Adams, especially. Um, so Crowder sort of helps balance that on a bit. A lot of interesting wide receiver picks in these last couple of rounds. Like we talked about Debo and Rager going a bit earlier than, than usual. Marvin Jones, wide receiver 42, that's, you know, seven, eight spots later than ADP on him. And then Sigmund Bloom took Sammy Watkins at wide receiver 44, which um, is definitely earlier than ADP, but a pick I have no issue with. I think especially in best ball leagues, um, you know, Watkins is going to have spike weeks. That, you know, I, I'm still drafting Sammy Watkins ahead of uh, Nicole Hardman straight up. He's got a high risk wide receiver core going so far. Devontae Parker, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, the only three wideouts on Sigmund's roster through 11 picks and in a league where you need to have three starters every week. Obviously we're going to 25 rounds here, not us. We're going to be off here in a little mm -hmm. bit, but these drafters are picking 25 players. So there's room. I think Bloom just expects that he'll be able to get enough wide receivers to, you know, cobble together those three, those three uh, starters every week. I don't know what to expect from Watkins this year. I mean, last year was uh, absurd. It, it's encouraging that he came back and was good in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I think if he just, continued tailing off that would be especially worrisome uh, i'll be curious to see what he does this time around yeah good in the playoffs and then you know they, they did restructure his contract but kansas city is still play, paying him quite a bit of money, money this season so I, I think the chiefs expect Watkins to remain a big part of that passing game yeah playoffs encouraging and encouraging that they wanted to keep him around clearly because they could have just let him go Marvin Jones, 42, Jamison Crowder, 43, Sammy Watkins. Matt Breida was the running back 36 off the board. For Jack Miller, finally took a second running back in round 11. And, I mean, if you're going to build it like that, Matt Breida in round 11 is a good way to get your second running back. Yeah, Matt Breida ahead of Jordan Howard, which uh, we don't always see. Um, I I, I kind of like it if you're looking for your RB2 at that point to get to get the pass catcher. I think it makes more sense than, you know, the, the more floor guy in Jordan Howard. I agree, and chance that he goes Jordan Howard with this pick uh, coming back in round 12. Jared Cook next, Darius Slayton, then Golden Tate right next to each other. Uh, I would take Golden Tate first, but Darius Slayton certainly has the big play upside edge over Golden Tate. Mike Williams at wide receiver 47, which is a little bit earlier than you might see him go, an appropriate spot, though. Uh, Phillip Rivers is the third quarterback for Darren Armani, and the drafter right before him, Ron Myers, still sitting on one quarterback, now through 12 picks. So I'll be curious to see what he ends up with the position at the position now that we have 28 quarterbacks off the board. Uh, Chris Herndon, Henry Ruggs, and Carrion Johnson rounded out round 11. Yeah, uh, Kevin got the Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs stack, which I really like. I think it was it, it was my pros versus Joe's draft that I stacked those guys up. Again, I think for those prices, you know, Carr in the 10th and Henry Ruggs, who I, I think is going to lead uh, Raiders wide receivers and targets this season. I think that that's a nice value on that stack. And then in round 20, maybe you can add Tyrell Williams to it when everybody else. I'm, yeah, I'm convinced that if, you know, if I don't take Tyrell or if you don't take Tyrell, he, he just doesn't even get drafted. 
Yeah, he just he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Tevin Coleman running back 38 around the turn to join carry on Johnson on Andrew Geller's roster. Then it was Irv Smith as a 20th tight end after the turn. Paris Campbell um, to Nelson Sousa's team. Jordan Howard, the running back 39, so not going to join Matt Breida on Jack Miller's roster. Then Alexander Madison to Ron Meyer, who took Dalvin Cook back in round one. That's just his third running back. So now he's got Dalvin Cook, Cam Akers, and Alexander Madison. He certainly set if Dalvin Cook goes down, but you know, we've talked about before, Madison's probably not going to give you much when Dalvin Cook's playing. Yeah, I guess I don't mind the pick, um, you know, especially getting Madison at RB40. Um, I, I think, you know, he, he's pretty much locked up a top 12 running back there between Cook and Madison. My, my concern would be just his depth at running back. Like, as you said, when Cook's healthy, he's probably not getting much from Madison. So then, you know, he's basically down to Cook and Cam Akers at running back through 12 rounds. Right. Be curious to see how he puts together the rest of this group. There are certainly still a number of guys. And actually we did a PPR running back sleepers article today on DraftSharks.com, which will give you some late round options who will catch some passes and could give you some sneaky weeks um, mixed in there to help with a, a spot like Madison. That's not giving you much. If Dalvin cook stays healthy, we'll finish out this round and then end the broadcast for tonight. But of course, these guys are going to be going through 25 rounds to build out their teams. Nikhil Harry, the 50th wide receiver off the board goes to Mike Randall's team. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn next at RB 41. His draft position has varied quite a bit in some of these drafts. I took him as like running back 57, I think on Wednesday night. He's generally been going pretty late. I'm looking at running back 49 in one draft. I think he was in the fifties in another draft for uh, running back 47, I guess last night. So 41 is actually as early as he's gone in these drafts. Um, I don't know. I, I, there's been so much hype on Ronald Jones. It's, it's so funny. Everyone hated Ronald Jones for his first two seasons. Now I feel like everyone's buying into Ronald Jones. I, I do think Jones is going to get the first crack, but um, he, he he's no sure thing. And, and if Jones doesn't fire, I think Vaughn's going to get a shot before LaShawn McCoy would get a shot to be like the lead back. I think McCoy is there to, you know, potentially play on passing downs. I don't think the Bucks view him as a you know potential leader of that backfield. And ADP is starting to really like Ronald Jones, but there's definitely a pocket of people who still are not fans and not buying in. And it, there's there's certainly room for that as Ronald Jones climbs higher up the board. Um, it's easier for him to bust the farther up he makes it in the draft. Philip Lindsay followed Keyshawn Vaughn, Ian Thomas at tight end 21. Then we had Duke Johnson go to Jack Miller's or no Sigmund Bloom's squad as his fourth running back. Uh, Daryl Henderson to J.J. Zacharies, and Daryl Henderson's going to be an interesting guy to watch through August because, you know, whereas in Tampa we've had coaches say, Ronald Jones is going to be our guy, and then this might be what these other guys do. We haven't had that from the Rams yet. The draft says to us they want Cam Akers to be the starter, but we haven't had the coach tell us we want Cam Akers to be the starter. Yeah, I mean, Cam Akers should definitely be going first among Rams running backs, but, I mean, they're, you know, they're separated by 20 running back spots here. Akers at RB24. Henderson RB 44. That, that's, that's a lot of confidence that acres is going to be the guy. I'm not, I'm not sure he deserves that quite yet. Mm-hmm. And then the final pick of round 12 is Jack Doyle at tight end 22. That's just disrespectful. <laughs> just about where he belongs. No, that that's, that, that's, that's a pretty good value there. Like he's, he's, he's going to get volume. It's not going to be exciting. He's not going to give you high ceiling weeks, but you know, he'll, he'll give you a 10 to 12 points. Plenty. Yeah. I mean, give me Jack Doyle way ahead of Chris Herndon and Ian Thomas. I mean, the other guys are more exciting, but I would also bet on Doyle outscoring those guys. <laughs> there you go. I'll take that as a compliment for Jack Doyle. And that seems like a good place to end our coverage for this fifth draft. Jared, unless you have any other picks that jump out to you from the last round. 
No, I could do this every night of the week, um, but yeah. it'll be nice. It'll, it'll be nice to have a break. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I, th- I don't think my wife will mind not having me yell in this room about people drafting uh, football players either. <laughs> That's fair. Emmanuel Sanders to Sean Jackson, the last two picks before we get out of here. But that is going to end our coverage of this fifth night of the Draft Sharks Invitational. And this is the final draft. So now it's just time to see how this thing plays plays out, see who wins the five divisions, and then see who takes down the $2,000 overall prize. The draft board will still be available if you want to watch it online. I'm sure we will recap this stuff after all the drafts happen. And it will be fun to watch and sweat as the teams go through the season. Thanks again for joining us for any or all of these drafts and uh, look forward to the regular season.